I watched three horror movies over the weekend, in addition to Bridge to Terabithia. Do you count Bridge to Terabithia as a horror movie? Like, is that why you bring this up? I, it's the least scary movie I watched uh, with child death in it, but I think it's the most traumatizing movie I watched of the four. Uh, what was the best movie you watched of the four? That's a really good question, because one of them was Scanners, which I think is a bad movie, uh, but it's only bad because cinema had not yet caught up with David Cronenberg. <laughs> so uh, if yeah. I was to do a pull quote for the Bridges Herabithia poster, it would say, not as good as Scanners. <laughs> well, no, the, the turn that I was about to take is I actually think Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was the best movie I watched over ah. the weekend. <laughs> Scanners is one of those movies that I watched when I was in high school and I was like, this is going to be the head exploding movie. And then I was like, I don't understand this movie. The head exploding happens so quickly. And then there's like an hour and a half of them talking about bureaucracy uh, of whatever corporation it is that is creating an army of scanners. And then I was like, well, maybe Videodrome will make more sense. <laughs> I still haven't seen Videodrome. This is only the second Cronenberger movie I've ever seen. And I think I didn't pick the winner among them is your other is the other Cronenberg you've seen the straight story (laughs) no it's crimes of the future oh Oh, and I've seen the dead zone but not since I was a child right that hardly counts it doesn't feel like a him at all so that's no it feels like a feels like a like a paid gig Uh, I I wonder if that's what it was it's kind of like a George Miller's witches of Eastwick being a paid gig it really haven't popped on the fly I haven't had haven't uh haven't taken a buzz with the fly yet. is that anything uh, well speaking of horrible body horror uh oh, who are we wow wow <laughs> yeah uh is this a is this a podcast is it called pizza toast this we is a podcast say. some say some say it's a podcast yeah. called pizza toast who are you i'm, I'm christy and i'm How phil who are you yeah it's phil it's me cool. <laughs> phil the guy named phil <laughs> This is our third episode on the Bridge to Terabithia. It sure is, because uh, we like to we like to talk about books uh, about uh, young adults or children who are coming of age, mm-hmm. and usually the movie and TV adaptations thereof. Yeah, and nobody comes of age as hard as Jesse in Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> Man, he just comes right of age. Oh boy! Like he may as well be holding on to his father with tears in his eyes, going, "I'm coming of age, Papa." <laughs> There's a there's a lot of clinging and tears in this movie in there is, the last uh, twenty minutes or so. Is Josh Hutcherson great in this movie? He's really good in this yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, I think he is. I think he is particularly great in the final third of this movie because mm-hmm. uh, he has to basically carry it. Oh yeah, and there's something strange that they do with his character here, which is they make him shy. Yeah, and Jess is not an outgoing kid, but he's not—he's also not as afraid to kind of hold his own and uh, be himself when he is in school uh, as he is here. Well, part of it I think is that they've aged up our characters from sure like eleven to thirteen, mm-hmm. and they've cast, as we noted in the last episode. Two attractive actors, as two opposed to two ordinary children, looking kids. Uh, movie star good looks on yes. both of these kids. Uh, Anna Sophia Robb and Josh Hutcherson, or as I keep calling him, Hutch Josherson. Uh, <laughs> Which is what you should be calling him. Uh, Anna Sophia Robb apparently got the role because she wrote to the director and said, please cast me in this movie. And they couldn't get uh, What's-Her-Face. Uh, who's the blonde girl from the early 2000s that was in everything? Uh, she's got a sister. Fanning. Uh, oh, Dakota, Dakota Fanning. or L, One of the two. Yeah, they wanted Dakota Fanning. They couldn't get her. And so they went with Anna Sophia Robb, which makes sense. They're kind of interchangeable at this point. Kind of they are. I would also say that Anna Sophia Robb might be a better fit for this role. Yeah, it might be a better fit for the way they've written this yeah. role. Dakota Fanning always played a precocious child that was sort of her go-to role so uh, like leslie's a very obvious like that's an obvious casting choice right but the way this leslie comes off is a lot snarkier than uh the leslie we have come to know and love yeah leslie in the books is a bit of a little bit of a wallflower uh mm-hmm. keeps to herself i think of the i think of the leslie we saw in the 85 version which is just some bespectacled brown-haired sort of mousy girl and this is uh this this girl 
This Leslie, like, shops at the mall. This Leslie has gone to Hot Topic many times and <laughs> bought her her arm warmers and her colorful tights. Like, this is a, this is a, a hip kid who's on the ball and isn't afraid to join a foot race when she's not invited. <laughs> it's... I, it is not my visual. Uh, neither of these children are my visual at all, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, before I forget, did you notice that in the beginning of the movie, Jess, like, colors his shoes so they're they're black Adidas three stripes? And then later he just has black Adidas three sh- straight stripes? I'm going to assume he stole them. Uh, I am too. Because uh, we do still have the uh, the economic straights carried over. from. Yes. The yeah, they do a pretty good job at realistically showing, like, his house uh his his clothes he doesn't have a good pair of shoes so his mom makes him take his sister's hand-me-downs which as you noted are pink Mm -hmm. uh but it is kind of like oh and this and this josh this josh this jesse is i get it is bullied this is he's just not he's not in the book he's just another one of the guys and there is a like a, a bully kid. In this, mm-hmm. he is a target of bullies. They're really mean to him. Uh, they call him Twinkle Toes at they one call point. Him twinkle Toes. That's not. They're just really. They're exceptionally cruel to him, but they are cruel in the way that little boys and teen boys are. Uh, the target things that he's very insecure about to begin with. I was befuddled by the voices of the bullies. Because they were like, ah, hey, twinkle. Like, they were like cartoon bullies. And I was like, wow, this is weird. Like, there's a lot of ADR. And it wasn't until I was doing my research. And I was like, oh, with the exception of our main cast. And by main cast, I mean like Josh Hutcherson, Anna Sophia Robb, uh, T1000. Uh, uh, Robert Patrick. Robert, pa- Robert Patrick, Patrick. Zoe Deschanel. I think with the exception of those four. Four actors, every almost everyone else in this movie is from New Zealand. Because this movie was filmed in New Zealand, because it was they got Weta Workshop to do the special effects. It's filmed in New Zealand. All the actors are from New Zealand. Almost everyone's lines were ADR'd to get rid of the accents, particularly the children. That is so weird. Yeah. That is so strange. Uh, anytime you see a car driving, they had to flip the image because it was driving on the wrong side of the street. Why, though? Why did they decide to do that? Like, where did this decision come from? Well, I think, well, <laughs> let's take a look at multi-billionaire uh, Philip Anschutz, who is a Christian evangelical conservative billionaire who owns the Anschutz Corporation, which is the parent corporation of the Anschutz Entertainment Group, which is sort of responsible for the death of Michael Jackson, but we're not going to get into that. They are the ones sure. who hired they are the ones who hired the doctor who killed him. Uh, the Anschutz Corporation has in its media arm Bristol Bay Enter- Bristol Bay Productions and Walden Media, which is also run by another ultra Christian evangelical conservative millionaire. Um, cool. Walden Media is responsible for this movie. They're also responsible for Chronicles of Narnia, which I believe was another Weta workshop. That would that would check out. I'm fairly familiar with Walden Media. A friend of mine did intern at Walden Media. They're so weird. I always thought of Walden as mostly doing like just family friendly movies, which is a big thing. But they also just seem to mostly do box office failures. Like (laughs) if you look at their films, it is mostly massive bombs like uh, City of Ember, uh, Nim's Island, The Seeker, The Dark is Rising, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, The Giver, The BFG. Uh, Like, they're responsible for all these movies. And, 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 you know, the biggest bomb of all, uh, the TV series Babysitter's Club. (laughs) Speaking (laughs) of Pizza Toast podcast with uh, Christine Phil. Womp, womp. A lot of these, yeah, these... This is also just a lot of their stock and trade was 
and probably is like because of the whole Walt Books connection and everything like that. These are all like adaptations of yeah, yeah. beloved properties that then fall flat on their faces. Not every time, like not every time is it a bad movie, but like The Giver. Remember when they made a version of The Giver? A sexy version of The Giver. Yeah, why did they do that? <laughs> because I think that's their thing is they're like, we're going to make inspirational films based on classic books and they started off strong with ghosts of the abyss mm. and uh holes a great movie. holes is a great movie but then again like immediately around the world in 80 days uh and then i am david they do a lot of like those weird not a lot but like those weird like christian movies you're like oh this got a theatrical release yeah yeah uh the I charlotte's really. web adaptation with the aforementioned uh what's her face uh um, dakota fanning. dakota fanning yes. yeah ramona and Beezus. Tooth this fairy? Is a, no, this is primarily like their stock and trade would be to do a project like this. Though. Right. Um, but they have money behind it. So it's like, well, let's get Weta Workshop and let's make Terabithia a fantabulous Wonder Emporium and then do all the marketing for this film as if Terabithia was the focus and not a coming of age story about two kids. Because this movie was sold as the next Chronicles of Narnia. It is not that. <laughs> that is a that is not what they have accomplished here. In as much as they have accomplished something, uh, I think this movie's fine. I think it's fine. I think it averages out to fine. I think when it's great, it does some stuff really well. Oh, agreed, agreed. And when it's horrible, it is mind-numbingly dull and I was really bored during a large portion of this movie. Whenever this movie was not a family drama and uh, children getting closer and and forming forming this bond that seems like it's going to last a lifetime, every time it wasn't that, I just didn't know what to do with it. (laughs) Are are you referring to all the Terabithia parts? I am referring to every time they go to Terabithia and every time uh, Janice is a troll. Oh. Every time <sighs> there's, I guess, like a bee slash uh, like a ma- mammalian creature that flies around and makes the same noises as one of the bullies. Uh, every time... Okay, a thing that I said to you when I was watching this movie, <laughs> there's a part when Maybelle, who is a brat, uh, <laughs> ste- steals her father's keys in order to, like, make a project for Jess. Right, which is never fully explained. It doesn't really, yeah, and I don't really get how we get to A, like, from A to B there, and also Leslie helps her, and I just feel like Leslie being the precocious young scamp that she is should have known that this was going to make Jess's stern father upset. Yeah. Uh, but she uh, encourages the key stealing. Um, naturally, uh, Jess gets blamed for it because he was the last to have the keys on hand. And so when they go to Terabithia to find the keys, they're interrupted by a swarm of CGI beasts. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting said CGI beast for, I don't know, like three hours. Yeah. And yeah. the entire time they were doing that, I was so stressed about the keys and how like Robert Patrick's anchor was probably simmering. He was probably getting more and more frustrated with his son that he doesn't know how to communicate with to begin with. So he yells at him sometimes, but it's never in a way that you don't understand why he's yelling. I was very upset at this point of the movie. like I- <laughs> Because you know that they're not going to be harmed by the monsters in Terabithia. There's yes, no because it, they're not real. <laughs> actual threat. There is a moment, though, where he falls off a tree onto and is caught by a giant with the face of Janice, which I'm like, okay, then what really happened? Like there's not actually, I thought he was going to be caught by the giant Janice. And then it was going to be like, Oh wait, no, Janice is actually there. Like she followed them to Terabithia or something. But then I was like, but then would he have fallen into her arms? But no, like it's just the giant caught them. I'm like, I don't understand the way the rules in this like poor man's spider wit chronicles work. (laughs) Like it looks bad. It's, I just got through watching Return of the King Extended Edition with Mitzi. Now, that is a movie that is four hours long. Never bored, because even though it is half battles, I understood why this stuff was happening. And this movie, they go to Terabithia, and then you can just clock out. Like, just punch out for a while, because they're just... I I watched Fellowship of the Ring a couple of weekends ago, and I will say, uh, same thing. 
every moment in the Lord of the Rings trilogy is orchestrated such that you are still interested and almost wanting more when it moves to a next scene. All I wanted was to move on from these scenes. Like there's just, it doesn't make any sense why they decided what they were going to do was make this into like a Chronicles of Narnia sort of thing. Right. The book doesn't beg for that. Like the book no, isn't like, you don't read the book and go, I really wish they spent more time in Terabithia. Like, I really want to know more about the, 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 the deep lore of this imaginary land. Cause by showing it like this, it just makes it look like just a rip off of Narnia. Like it just looks like Leslie's maybe not that creative and Jess maybe isn't that. Also, you see Jess's drawings in the movie and mm-hmm. they do a good job at making them look like drawings a kid did. Mm-hmm. But they're drawings of what will become the monsters in Terabithia. But then Leslie is like, let's create a land called Terabithia. And he's like, wow, you've got quite the imagination. And I'm like, so do you. You're like Brian Froud over here with your books of strange creatures. All she did is make up a bunch of like ripoff stories. <laughs> it's not just like, I, I mean, uh, are we going to start from the top with this or are we just going to be upset about this? I'm okay. I'm not upset about this movie. I know. I'm, I'm not either. I I'm cried like a child at the end of it. I sat and just sobbed at like at the end. Oh, of, of this course, movie. of course, I started crying. Like by this, by the point when it, truly, uh, you, I think you said like as soon as like the bus driver tells him he's sorry, your his friend died. By that point, I was like, okay, this this movie is gonna get me. Like this is gonna. <laughs> Because nothing gets me like a person who was previously mean to someone cutting all the crap because something bad happened to the person they're usually mean to. Like, that's one of my, like, buttons. Like, in uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, when uh, Flash comes up to him and he tries to, and he slams Flash against the locker and Flash is just like, I just wanted to say I'm sorry about your uncle. Like, even then, I'm like, oh my goodness. And so when the bus driver, who has giant ears and is a New Zealand weirdo who was obviously dubbed by another actor, just goes, I'm really sorry about your friend. I just, like, sobbed. I was like, oh, no. They also, I mean, on the other side of the coin, one of the bullies externalizes thing that Jess thinks to himself, says, now you're the fastest kid in our grade. And Jess punches him in the face which is actually incredibly satisfying he doesn't just punch him in the oh, face no. No, it's he than... punches him across the class like he's in smallville like it's a soup it's like a it's a buffy the vampire slayer punch where he the kid flies across the room into the wall and i was like he just killed that kid <laughs> it's really good though like it's yeah. good that he does that because that kid deserves it and then we get the wonderful scene with him and the teacher, which I was so happy. That was goes, really good. That was when I started crying, like, in earnest. Uh, yeah. The funeral was also, or the funeral, the visitation was rough. Why did they introduce Leslie's grandmother? She has one line. I was like, why'd you cast this part? Like, what's the point of this? She's like, you must be Jesse. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. I guess the extended family's all here. It would have been very easy to not do that and yet here we are here we are in their home uh, they didn't cast a hot guy as bill this time they cast a, a heartless maniac who <laughs> didn't give the dog back at the end I, he's not supposed little... to give the dog back at the end that's from the book he keeps the <laughs> but dog he, but he left without saying goodbye i'm a little uh i mean like worth noting i uh I'm a, like, uh, my, my college mentor, uh, died last week, so I, uh, and I didn't find out until yesterday, cause we were very, we weren't in touch, but I found out, like, through Facebook, through being friends with his wife, and I've been having a really hard time just thinking about grief generally because of this, this damn book. Yeah. And this didn't, uh, it didn't, I don't think it helped me at all, and it's also, uh, a little distracting, uh, knowing that, oh yeah, uh, grief is very real and it hits you in really strange ways doesn't it yeah yeah Yeah. we get to see a lot of that in this movie and it's all hutcherson carry he is he does carry this movie for a good portion of it why did josh hutcherson why is josh i mean he's a famous guy but he's not like he's not like in marvel movies famous he's not he's not at that level i just don't understand why he never made it to where like uh bubble boy did what's his name jake Uh, gyllenhaal jake gyllenhaal 
bubble boy. <laughs> this is your reference point for Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I couldn't think of any other Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> there are so many movies with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Josh Hutcherson is in The Hunger Games. We all know this. Uh-huh. Everyone knows that Josh Hutcherson is the angel on earth PETA malark. Yes. And I think he did get pigeonholed a bit with that. Like a pretty boy? Yeah, pretty boy, but also soft boy. Uh, Mm. He was never going to be a superhero. Not when he was acting like in a love triangle against Jennifer Lawrence and a Hemsworth. Not the Hemsworth. Right. But one of the lesser Hemsworths. So he kind of got, I can't think of any of those names, Twilighted. He got twilight he needs to play a batman now i guess and he's a he's a very sensitive like he's a he plays sensitive voice that's a that's sort of his whole deal i know he's on a it's called future man he's on like a hulu that's not uh, a show. sci-fi series you just made he that up yeah i did no i <laughs> just made sure you're making up you're saying words now <laughs> anyone can pretend to make up a science fiction show and i'll believe it because there's a, a, a glut of them did you know that? Did you know that? Uh, 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 that Isaac Asimov series is getting another season. Um, is the there of, an Isaac Asimov series? What's the Isaac Asimov about the encyclopedia that's getting rid? Re- Foundation. Did you know Foundation is getting a second season? I don't believe you. Uh- <laughs> yep. Lee Pace is apparently the lead. I just I can't keep up with all this stuff. So he's in a. This was a wild resume. He was indeed in 34 episodes of something called Future Man. <laughs> Did not make that up. He's in The Disaster Artist. I had forgotten that. He plays oh, Denny yeah. in that. Oh, yeah. But really, The Hunger Games dominated this man's life for a while. And yeah. that had to be unavoidable because he was in them from 2012 through 24 no 2015 this is a four-year series that lasted uh and and those movies uh i think they're good i don't know is yeah. that a controversial opinion i think they're i good don't movies. think so i think i think you're right i think, <laughs> I think like I, uh, it's just uh, i don't know i don't know where else he would have gone except to kind of niche projects not when he was in that role i think if either of the men uh the men in the <laughs> boys if either the boys in the hunger games were going to go on to super uh, superhero career it was going to be liam that's true uh anna sophia robb uh uh played carrie bradshaw in the carrie diaries uh back She's in the day violet beauregard well not anymore <laughs> She is Violet Beauregard. <laughs> you see, I grew up with the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. So, so did I. <laughs> I have my Violet Beauregard. Uh, Anna Sophia Robb is very funny in that movie. Like she is. She's a uh, her delivery of every line is straight up poisonous. Like she's she's very good at being a mean girl. And I actually did wonder before watching this if that was going to leak into her performance at all. And here and there it does. Mm-hmm. Which I think is fine for Leslie. It keeps her from being a manic pixie dream girl on screen. Yes, which would be a concern now. And she does still have those traits. And there are a few soft focus shots of her that do frame her as such. And I don't know. I think they were directed to seem like they were in love. They definitely... uh, The filmmaker... Uh, said that that is one of the reasons they aged up the characters is so they could play up the romantic attraction because they yeah, I didn't that. like that. Um, the director, as we discussed in our last episode, being Gabor Chupo of Klasky <laughs> Chupo uh, Animation Studios, the creators of Ah Real Monsters and Stressed Eric. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, and I, w- one thing I didn't know is that Gabor Chupo uh, learned English from uh, Frank Zappa, uh, from listening to Zappa albums. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and he would hang out with Matt Groening and talk about Frank Zappa. So you know that's that's uh, that's that's interesting, I guess. Um, so yeah, this is Gabor Chupo, Hungarian filmmaker and animator's first live action film. And uh, and I think he acquits himself nicely uh, as a live action filmmaker. I don't think this ever looks bad, except the CGI. Like, I think it's well filmed. I think the direction is solid. Uh, I think if I didn't know the source material as well, I would also like the story more. 
work. Because it has the same beats, of course. Like, naturally, it is the same story with some things pulled directly from the book. And actually, one or two things where I was like, I am glad they tweaked that for a 2007 version of this movie. Yeah. Uh, In particular, I like that Ms. Edmonds doesn't seem weird in this. Like, it doesn't... You're nodding, but you look skeptical. No, no, I was was waiting for you to finish what you were saying, because I agree. They... They threaded that needle pretty well. I was really impressed, and I think it was it's in part because his crush on her in this is not such that he is like uh, like he sticks close to her, he wants her attention and he does seek out her attention. He's just very nervous around her. Mm-hmm. And you see him That's, staring at her a lot. Yes, because he has a big, big crush on her. Also because this is 2007 Zoe de Chanel or 2009 Zoe de Chanel. Uh, who, or is it seven? I can't, when does this movie come out? I think it's seven. 2007? Yeah. It's 2007 Zoe de Chanel. And if you were a human being alive, she is what you would be looking at in the room. You'd be like, what is this human? Absolutely. Uh, She's got kind of like a a lemur thing going on uh, uh, in a really beautiful way. I say lemur and I mean it positively. And this is a good role for her. And she actually doesn't go as hard into the twee thing as she sometimes does. She plays a good Ms. Edmonds. Like she seems right for this role. And when she takes... Uh, when she takes, um, keep wanting to call him Josh Hutcherson, (laughs) Jesse on their field trip, it just feels like a, a field trip with a teacher. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have that weird date air about it that we've seen in the other versions. Now, I told you that I walked downstairs a couple of days ago (laughs) and caught Mitzi watching Bridge to Terabithia. Uh, and it was like the scene in The Ring where the mom walks in on her little boy watching The Ring video and she runs screaming and grabs him and takes the film out of the VCR and throws it under the sofa. And she's like, what are you doing? Why did you watch this? Like, that's how I felt. But I walked in when she's just getting to the date scene. Mm. And well, not, it's not a date. Uh, the, the, the non-date scene. Like the, and the scene Mitzi, that could be coded as a date. Mitzi got really uncomfortable. She was like, what is ha- What is going on? Is this weird? This is weird. Why are they doing this? <laughs> and she thought something, I believe she thought something was going to happen to the teacher. Because all she knew was that this was a sad story. It's what I kept saying. It's such a sad story. So she assumed that something was going to happen on this trip with the teacher. So she was nervous. And then it ended. He gets out of the car and she's like, and then, of course, the vlog drops. And uh, uh, she was very saddened by it. She she admitted it was very sad and unexpected. Good twist. It is sad and unexpected if you are not familiar with the Bridge to Terabithia that we all know and love at this point. Uh, I... The the second they showed the rope at the beginning of this, I was like, well, at least they're doing that. <laughs> and they show the water level rising. Like, they do. Every time they come back. There's, I think there's craft to this movie that is impressive. I don't, I think it like, really, I think it, it is well done, but for the CGI parts that I really, really hate. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, it was, of course, co-written by uh, David Patterson. Uh, mm-hmm. Catherine Patterson's son, who worked intimately on this screenplay, yeah, uh, to make sure that it was done in his mind correctly. But I also know just from reading about it that Disney had a big hand in a lot of the things that happened in this movie, uh, up to and including him having to fight to keep Leslie dead in this movie because Disney wanted her in a coma at most. They did not want Leslie to die. Uh, it's a children's film. Children do not die in Disney movies was kind of the thing. And you can't have a child die in a Disney film uh, to which they were like, well, then we're not doing the movie. Yeah, that's, I was gonna that's say, you literally can't what the movie's this, about. This is not something you can adapt and change that. Right. That's there are the a way lot you, of allowances that can be made there. You can, you can, can make this a story of anthropomorphic mice on Mars and you would still have to have a girl fall off a rope into the water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's imperative that Leslie die. It mm-hmm. actually is like the, that's the foundation of the story is uh, getting hit in the face with grief and having no idea what to do with it. Uh, props to the film for never showing her again after she dies, except in photographs. I like that. I like uh, that. You... I like that we have the paints scene and it's mm-hmm. done a little differently. It's a little it's a little more dreamlike here than it is in the book. Uh, it's my favorite scene in the book. 
Yeah. Uh, because I am a glutton for punishment, is him throwing away all the paints that Leslie gave him. Squeezing uh, them into the water. Yeah, this time he squeezes them into the water. It lo- so it looks it looks really beautiful. Like this is yeah. a this is one of my favorite shots in the movie. And you're looking up like you have an up angle at him, and man, this kid can act. Like he's yeah. so good. Now that's listed as a goof on IMDb because they point out that the river is muddy, but when you look up through the water, it's clear and you can see the paints, which you wouldn't be able to do if you were actually laying on the bottom of the river. You know what I don't care about? That. (laughs) But you should care about the fact that those weren't paints. That was mayonnaise with food dye so that they didn't damage the ecosystem in New Zealand. Also, there is a animal that breaks into their greenhouse Mm -hmm. and raids their uh, crops, I guess. Yeah, what is that? That is a... They wanted it to be a possum. I figured they did. I could tell. But from New Zealand's like, you can't bring a possum here. Yeah. You're going to have to use this weird New Zealand animal that only exists like in New Zealand. It's like a bush possum that you look at it. You're like, this is some kind of goblin. I don't know what this is. Is this another one of them Spiderwick Chronicles monsters? <laughs> and it's clearly just some animal that only exists like in an island that has been cut off from the rest of the world. Well, it looks like if you took a possum and then you dipped it in soot and then you kind of like messed with its hair a bit and somehow made it so it was more so let because possums I love they're one of my favorite animals but they're grotesquely adorable this thing isn't grotesque it's just really cute yeah 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 uh as as New Zealand animals are yeah it's a cartoon Kiwi animal but it's real hobbits it's... we love them <laughs> that that uh that uh whatever that thing is it really throws the family for a loop at one point <laughs> Because really? Josh Hutcherson saves the possum instead of letting his dad kill it. And yeah, I his relationship with his dad is very different in the movie than it is in the book. But because his dad's there most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I like it. I like Robert Patrick a lot. Uh, Robert Patrick wanted to make this movie because he wanted to make a movie his kids could go see. Aww. And I think he made a good choice. He's a good rough dad. Um, I think he doesn't really. Okay, so. Part of the keys thing. It's coming back to the keys thing, which I'm never going to shut up about. I think the movie found it. Uh, they didn't really know how to portray, and this is hard to do, uh, like the kind of complicated relationship uh, that Jess and his dad have. Uh, so they had to create a conflict between the two of them rather than have this pre-existing tension. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a, a writer's brainstorming session. Like, yeah. how do we get from A to B? We got to just, what can have happened so that this happens? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, keys. And then they're like, can it be a 20 minute sequence in Terabithia? Apparently, yes, it can. And it, it, it is and it should be and it's great. Uh, I like Robert Patrick generally. Uh, I'm a, I'm an apologist for his role on the late the late period X-Files episodes that are objectively Thank awful. you. Oh, my God. I've never run into another person who <laughs> likes Doggett and Reyes. I, I am, don't like Reyes, but I love Doggett. I love Reyes just because she's very pretty. Um, I, I get it. That I understand. <laughs> I liked their season. I, yeah. In any case, I'm with you. One of the episodes that's just about Doggett is basically a backdoor pilot for Breaking Bad. And I'm still not (laughs) mad about it. Like, it's just about him being lost in Albuquerque. And it's a Vince Gilligan episode. Uh, He's he's always good. Uh, He was on Peacemaker last year and Mm -hmm. played a bad dad and he's such a good bad dad but here here he's just a he's just a dad who doesn't really know what to do with his son and it's good it's one of my favorite things about this yeah yeah definitely absolutely like it's where they made the big swings with casting like it's where they were not big swings it's where they made the choices that were like safe that this really come like i think it really shines like the four leads basically Right, right. It is interesting that it's just the four leads. And I'm wondering if, I mean, if you go to the Wikipedia page for this movie, almost everyone is without their own Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. That uh, makes sense to me. Oh, and Bailey Madison, who plays, uh, who plays, what's her face? Who plays Maybell. Yeah. Uh, Bailey Madison is the other like name in this. Uh, you may know her from Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, in which she's very good. Uh, you may know she's, her from. Um, she's in multiple episodes of The Haunting Hour, I think, which is a show I have a real soft spot for. R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, she plays Imogen Adams in the horror thriller series Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, a spinoff of Pretty Little Liars. Um, <laughs> her resume was really interesting to me because it's a lot of it's a lot of things that you don't think about the number of child actors who would go through these paces, but there are a lot of them. Yeah, and she has successfully, like I think, continued a career. Yeah, uh, uh, with having started very young um but you did not like her performance she's adorable i think her performance is really good i just think she's a brat like i think she's i think she takes advantage of uh both jess and her father i think like because of her cuteness uh when i do appreciate again like in a 2007 movie it's nice that jess pushes her down rather than hits her it slaps her in the face yeah it's really nice that we don't have to watch him slap a child but uh the pushing is enough and also like that's one of the times her acting like for being that young her acting there is fairly nuanced like Mm -hmm. she looks wounded she doesn't immediately look shocked or there's not overacting in this very young child's performance yeah she's one of those like child actors who frightens me because she's a little too like like uh like what's his face in sixth sense like ah yeah you're like you're really good why are you so good like this is (laughs) This, you should not be this good at this, uh, looking haunted and disturbed. But yeah, she uh, she follows him to Terabithia like she does in the book, mm-hmm. and that's where they have the angry confrontation. Yeah, she does. She's not like, did you see the body? She's just like that. None of that's in there. And no, and I like Maybell in the book a lot, and I think I think their dynamic in the book uh, just like like likes her a little bit more. Here, it's a little bit more like, oh, my annoying little sister yeah. most of the time. She clearly idolizes him. Oh, yes. Um, uh, which, who wouldn't? He seems great. He's a great kid. There's a lot of stuff added to the movie just to sort of flesh out, like, the bullies, the, the girls charge money for you to go to the bathroom. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And they end up leading, like, a rebellion, uh, like, let us I hated that. Or whatever. Like, yeah, that seemed just a little, a little much. Um, that was, was li- naturally the part of the movie where Scott walked in when they were uh, <laughs> chanting was- free to pee. <laughs> A little too Radio Rebel, not moxie enough. No. Yeah, leaned too hard on the Radio Rebel side of things. Um, But we do get some nice stuff with, uh, what's her face? The bully. I can't think of her name. Janice. Janice. Uh, I think this performance is good. Yes. Go on record and saying uh, she's a convincing bully. She has the thing where her cronies are not quite on her level, but are very loyal to her. Mm -hmm. And when they turn on her, you are both surprised and sad for her. Uh, And it's pretty fairly close to beat for beat uh what the janice story in the book yeah and i think the i think that's the right thing to do like there was nothing really to tamper with there uh i have to think that david patterson being involved meant that this sort of thing could be preserved and uh he was able to work with like a more veteran screenwriter to make it work yeah it we do end up with the aforementioned unfortunate janice troll Wait, why would you say that's unfortunate, though? Because they've taken this lovely young woman uh, and grafted her face, Weta style, onto the body of a BFG. And it basically looks like what you would draw if you were making fun of a girl in junior high. Mm -hmm. Like, you're a big, ugly troll. I've drawn your face on the body of this... It's weird and gross, and she says, hey, and I about threw my computer away when I was watching it. It's not great. Uh, It doesn't really make any sense at the point of the movie where it happens either. Yeah. Because she's already sort of had her redemption arc at that point, and as much as she ever has one. What do you think of the performance of Matt Gibbons as the Dark Master? What even is that? (laughs) Matt Gibbons as the Dark Master. A role I don't even remember. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember the Dark Master. It's, well, he's largely CGI because apparently Terabithia needs a villain. A lot of how Leslie frames Terabithia in this is that they are the defenders of Terabithia against all evil, which was not really a Terabithia thing. Yeah. Terabithia was more about imagining the kingdom in all its splendor. It was not about the war and pestilence that they would have to endure when once they entered their treehouse, it's just a really weird choice. Uh, it's a choice that I guess probably made 
financial sense to them. Uh, if you Google Matt Gibbons as the Dark Master, you can <laughs> see it. And it looks like Todd McFarlane's Blair Witch action figure, uh, but with a The Strangers mask on and laden with jewelry and chains like it's it makes no sense and since everything in terabithia and this movie is supposed to be a reflection of something in the real world is the dark master the dad is the dark master death itself i don't know what the dark master is supposed to be i i don't know if it's supposed to be anything if i'm being honest like it's something i guess they overcome with the help of the janice troll but i don't know why they're overcoming something in the first place like it makes sense as far as anything in these Terabithia scenes makes sense, uh, like it makes sense that some of the creatures are the bullies. Right. It but doesn't what's... make sense that there would be an avatar for pure evil that they also have to vanquish. <laughs> Is it poverty? I don't know. Uh... No, the Dark Master isn't poverty. <laughs> Mitzi hated the way they painted the inside of the house. She didn't understand the texturing of the paint. Uh, but the painting scene is there. Uh, the bullying stuff is there. The race is there, but it's downplayed a lot. Like the race is mostly just an excuse for him to meet Leslie because they don't introduce her until she shows up in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, With her very cool outfit. It's a very cool. With her very good haircut. Mm-hmm. I don't think I mean, we I can g- emphasize enough like how much these kids look like a, I was going to say Gap ad, but I feel like that's a very outdated reference. Yes. <laughs> He, they at least let Jess be filthy through a lot of the film. He is a, he's a dirty boy. He's a, he's, he's a, he, he, he's not like a Dickensian orphan. Like it's not over the top, but it is like, oh, this kid doesn't shower that often. Yeah. Like not as often as he should. Yeah. He's a scumbum. He's probably, you know, like, yeah, he probably, they probably don't bathe every day because they can't afford they all the water. Yeah. Um, we can't go too long with that. We cannot not mention Patty as Prince Tarion. Uh, the puppy who would not be given away. <laughs> He's so, a cute puppy. Yeah, so this is the basic scenario of just uh, decides I will uh, I, I will give uh, my best friend a puppy without asking her parents if it's okay. But her parents are... Uh, Bill is also like fairly absent in this story until he needs help painting. Yeah. 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 And, then, uh, and then when he does, he becomes best of friends with his daughter briefly. <laughs> Right. I, a far more appropriate relationship, I guess, than uh, than we might have gotten. But uh, but the dog is cute and uh, and they change it from Christmas to birthday because uh, uh, budget reasons, apparently, sure. because what are you going to do? Decorate the entire town for Christmas like that's just that's more sets. That's that's coats you got to buy. I don't know how cold it gets in old Virginia, but uh, they, they weren't going <laughs> to buy coats. Apparently not that cold. We got $17 million to spend. That's it. Um, uh, yeah, this movie this movie made $137 million on a $17 million budget. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, I mean, they're not spending a lot of... Uh, could we talk about the soundtrack for a second? Because I know you want to. Please, let's talk about the okay, soundtrack. Okay, uh, the one thing that I want to mention, because this is not actually a soundtrack thing, because they could not play the lyrics to this song and keep a PG rating, is at one point... Uh, one of the ways they show us that uh, the Aaron's family doesn't have a lot of money is all everybody is gathered around the TV and they don't seem to have anything else to do in their home. Yeah. And it's not a nice TV. This was 2007. It could have been a very nice TV, but no, it's just like a little old uh, tube set. Um, and uh, they're watching the music video for Say Anything's Alive with the Glory of Love. This is a song about two people who fall in love on their way to a concentration camp it's a great song yep it is not a song for children (laughs) uh it's featured prominently in the movie yeah yeah like that song it it turns up and it's not on the soundtrack yeah which i think is probably Probably a good idea because (laughs) no the people who buy these soundtracks are kids who are like wait anna sophia robin hated panettiere are contributing songs (laughs) yes uh hayden panettiere uh, has a song on the soundtrack. Miley Cyrus has a Hannah Montana song on the soundtrack, which I found fascinating enough to write to you about. I mean, that's a pull. Like that, that 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 costs a little more money than some of the other things here. Well, it's Disney, so they own the rights. Yeah, but they're watching Hannah Montana in the sh- in the movie. 
they watch Hannah Montana on TV, no, which again, Disney, they own the rights. The song though is I Learned From You by Hannah Montana, but it's no. been re-recorded for this movie by Miley Cyrus, not Hannah Montana, with altered lyrics that more fit the theme of the movie uh, than than the original lyrics. Also, Anna Sophia Robb's song, Keep Your Mind Wide Open, is playing in a scene in Jesse's house at one point when they're playing with the slot cars. And I'm like, so is Anna Sophia Robb, does she exist in this universe? Like, do people sometimes tell Jesse that she looks like the girl from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> I mean, one hopes. One hopes there's like an interesting added metafictional element of this. I want to say, like, uh, you said a while ago that you're not sure if the CGI stuff is really happening or not. I, I know it's not really happening. No, no, I know. We... <laughs> Give me a minute. Remember how at the end of Stargirl, the movie, the first one, she turned out to really maybe actually be a little bit magic? Right. It felt a little like that to me. Like, they wanted to leave open the possibility that, oh, your imagination can lead to beautiful, wonderful things. And one of them is not breaking your arm when you fall out of a tree. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll get that. I'll give you that one. I didn't, uh, I didn't say it was like a good storytelling decision, and I don't even know how intentional it was, but it, it, I, I, I clocked it as like, this is not a movie about magic. Uh, this is a movie about uh, imagination and grief, as it should be, uh, at its best. Yes. Uh, but there, it still feels a little bit like fantastical here and there. Right. And it ends with him looking out over Terabithia and you see the beautiful. He's 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 turned his, his sister into a princess. It's a very nice scene. That is very uh, sweet. And it works well. Uh, really, uh, I can't say enough good things about Josh Hutcherson playing this role. Perfect casting, even if he is an adorable boy. <laughs> I will say that the music is by Aaron Zygman, and I found it probably the most generic. There were times when it sounded like an insurance ad. It was yeah. so just like the the opening music from the opening credits is just the most. It sounded like something that I would buy to score a podcast. Episode I was going to say for. it sounded like royalty free generic epic music. Yes. And I'm not saying it doesn't take talent to write that kind of thing. It does. It's just like having watched, uh, as you have recently, like a, a movie scored by Howard Shore. It's really mm -hmm. hard not to compare anything against that. <laughs> right. I mean, and he's, you know, he also did the scores for like Medea Goes to Jail and Sex in the City 2. And he just does a lot of movies. I don't know. It just the fact that the soundtrack has a bunch of his score tracks on it is I just like, who's going to ever listen to this? Like, who's going to. Yeah. Who, who finds this interesting? But, you know. No shade to Aaron Zygman. He's, I'm sure, a very nice man. I'm sure. I'm, I, sure, he's... I'm sure. Look, I'm sure most of these people are nice, or at least good at things. Like, I just, I just don't think it really came together here in the way that I would have liked. So, Billie Eilish uh, wrote the song I-L-O-M-I-L-O, I-L-O-M-I-L-O. And she credits the Jesse's Bridge score from Bridge to Terabithia as inspiration for the song. So I guess someone liked Aaron Zygman's score from Bridge to Terabithia. So what do I know? What Billie a fascinating Eilish. fact. Like, what a bizarre thing to say and to feel. Jesse's Bridge. She was like, yeah, yeah. And the Bridge to Terabithia soundtrack. Jesse's Bridge. Uh, which also means that Billie Eilish probably watched this movie a lot, which means that we have something in common with Billie Eilish. And I have probably nothing else in common with Billie Eilish, but I really enjoy her as a person. And so I feel it's a little connection there. That's nice. Uh, I like Billie Eilish. I think she's very talented. She's very talented. Yeah. Uh, she wrote a really good Bond theme. Uh, and it's like a better one that a lot of people have written when they were much older and more seasoned I watched, musicians. I watched her short film on Disney Plus that they did. Uh, the musical short film. It was very good. It's very good. She's a talented young woman. It's so uh, weird what you can find on Disney Plus. Yeah. They're like, let's just let's give Billie Eilish a bunch of money. She likes that Bridge to Terabithia movie. I do want to <laughs> say that uh, Gabor Chupa. Uh, in 2017, directed a movie, a Hungarian comedy called Papa Pia, which is sadly not the Mamma Mia sequel that we should have gotten. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is there any way that isn't just like a like <laughs> Mamma Mia retold? Yeah, because when Mamma Mia 2 came out, my friend Mark said that it should have been titled Mamma Mia 2 Papa Pia. And 
uh, the fact that it wasn't is a, is a, is a devastating to him. So I just want him to know that there is a movie called Papa Pia out there, which good luck finding because the Wikipedia page is one sentence long. Uh, do <laughs> we have anything Wikipedia. else to say about Bridge to Terabithia? I don't. I it's been a it, it's been a it's been a weird day uh, day week month year uh, <laughs> so far, and uh, this movie is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the sum of its parts is fine. Half of it is very good. Half of it is not. And that's, look, what more can you ask for, for an adaptation of a book that maybe should just remain a book? Right, right. If, if nothing else, maybe a ballet or an opera could maybe convey like the, the, the complex inner workings of this, but it's just hard to do it in any format other than the great American novel. Yes. The movie I watched, the uh, one of the other horror movies I watched over the weekend, the one I haven't mentioned yet was Megan. I don't know if you're familiar. I am very familiar, but I have not seen it. It's a movie that was written and released to become a series of memes. Uh-huh. And for this reason, I really respect it. <laughs> I also know but- it was released with the intention of them releasing the actual version on streaming later on. You know what? Fair. Uh, it's a. It's fine. Um, it's. <laughs> it was not the the best or worst movie I watched over the weekend. But you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rank them. I know that Megan's dance has already started replacing Wednesday's dance on TikTok as far as people recreating it goes. So uh, that makes sense. It seems a little easier. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, uh, but they did say that there is a, a R-rated or unrated version coming out because at the last minute they had to re-edit the entire thing. Oh, uh, I to- certainly hope so. There are a couple uh, moments where it's clear that they wanted to go further and had to pull back for the rating and i'm sure they're going to make a ton of money because they released it as pg-13 but i will be eager to see uh some kind of director's cut like there are changes from the original trailer because they had to go back and like remove all the blood and remove like all these all the violence and stuff and so yeah they're like oh don't worry it's gonna come out uh which makes me wonder is there an r-rated cut of bridge to terabithia anywhere maybe one where we see the uh blood all over the (laughs) rocks or something is there a version or could we orchestrate a version where you see leslie die (laughs) is there a fan film is there a fan film of bridge to terabithia told from leslie's perspective please tell us if you know because we do need another episode to line up next right because uh surprise we don't know what we're doing next we don't i have ideas but i don't know if they're good I will share with you later. Uh, for now, I mean, Bridge to Terabithia, great book. Maybe the best book we've ever covered. Yeah, it's up there. It's right up there. I don't it's know not... if it's up there with Are These My Bazoomas I See Before Me. Why just read those books again? Just do that. <laughs> no one dies in those books. No one dies. And I was thinking about uh, when they when they do the when when they do Julius Caesar. I was just thinking about that again. Like, anyway. <laughs> Good times. Great, Remember those good times, days? Great fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we done? I think we're done. Uh, Pizza Toast Pod everywhere. Is that the deal? Pizza Toast Pod everywhere, even on Facebook these days. So uh, On Facebook. Uh, um, who are we saying goodbye to for the last time? Our keys. Our missing keys? <laughs> yes. All right. Goodbye, didn't that, missing Wait, keys. didn't that happen in one of the Bazuma's books? Didn't she lose keys and have to hide behind a car? To find she pretended them. to. That's what it was. Okay. okay. Is uh, which also is a little bit like when Leo hides behind the car for a while in Star Girl. Right. It's a recurring theme. One day we'll look back on these episodes and find the recurring themes. The- One of them is Keys. Yes. Uh, goodbye, Keys. Goodbye, Keys. So there's this part in the movie Megan 